Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Valhalla Movement Podcast. I am super excited to have back one of actually the most popular guests that we've ever had on this podcast when it used to be called the Superhero Academy Podcast way back when. I, I think it was in March 2015 was the last time we spoke. And I think, was that wow. roughly when you, like, when did your book come out? When the Market My, my book came out, out in uh, 20, uh, 2012. Okay. Market Gardener. And yeah, but it started taking off. 2015 was uh, when I started uh, FQT Farm. Okay. Okay. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, you've already heard from him, Jean-Martin Fortier, who I consider to be Quebec's famous farmer, or the most famous farmer, at least in the world of small-scale agriculture and all things related to that. Um, first of all, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for taking time away from the field. I know you're busy opening up uh, a, a new, uh, kind of a new farm and yeah. a new restaurant. Yeah. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about that? Well, you know, uh, like many people, pandemic kind of wow. hit, uh, struck a nerve. I was um, doing a lot of stuff, doing a lot of speaking engagements, traveling, and also running FQT Farm, Ferme Quatre Temps, in mm-hmm. Hemingford, Quebec, which was, which is about an hour drive from my farm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was committed to that for seven years, and I would do the drive six days a week, and I was really, really into the farm, but I just kind of felt like, okay... Like, I want to be more home. I want to have a less busy traveling scene. I started farming because I wanted to be on the farm. Mm -hmm. And then the the farming, per se, became more my focus, like learning how to just, like, improve everything and develop and all of that. And Mm so, yeah, I just just wanted to come back home. Uh, I, you know, my farm is in Bromissisqua, which is, like, an amazing place where there's a lot of farms, a lot of farms that are there started because they were trained not at our farm at La Grelinette and other farms and so it's my community but I was kind of seven years kind of away from it mm-hmm. and so I wanted to come back and I like you 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 know you talk about the, the Market Gardener Institute we had an office space in Montreal we, that's where we produced the online course mm-hmm. and I just felt like I wanted to bring everything back home also so we bought this uh, hotel restaurant it has a two acre uh you know prairie open prairie that was by the river mm. four minutes from my farm mm. in stanbridge east the old mill which is an institution it's dates from 1849 wow and uh we bought that and i started a project there i moved my uh my office space so the crew is there the market gardener institute crew is there and then i started the farm there and then we opened the restaurant it's a real farm to table restaurant where we serve only ingredients meals that are made from ingredients that come from uh, from, from the Square. yeah amazing yeah. i'm i really want to get into that and yeah. i want to go deeper into the layers of I, I think farming is changing for many different reasons and i would imagine you kind of feel the same way um although i uh recently went through about with the the Q and all the different things related to this to, to find a bunch of statistics on farming and what is changing and, and kind of I, I looked at stats canada to say, okay, well, I have a belief that small-scale farming is growing. I have a belief that more yep. and more people are getting in, invested and involved in this. And then mm. I looked at some of the stats, and then I was like, oh, maybe, maybe not, right? So, um, but before we get into that, I do want to, I do want to mention a little bit of, of your background before we kind of dive into into the topics. So, for those of you who don't know, Jean Martin is somebody who, uh, for me, as as a pioneer in small-scale agriculture and everything to do with um, intensive farming. I'll call it kind of the, you know, rather than the monocultures of fields of soya and, and, and corn and all the different things, it's what can you do to basically grow everything that a mar- you would sell at a market, you find mm-hmm. at a market, and actually grow that in an intensive way, even in a region like Quebec or yep. like Canada, a cold region. Um, and I think your contribution to that, not only starting with your book, uh, you know, the Market Gardener, and then evolving into the Market Gardener Institute, growing into things like even uh, you actually built a gr- brand called Growers, making uh, tools, making clothing for farmers and the different things there. Um, for me, was a massive inspiration. Like your book changed the way that I looked at farming. It was actually a big, inf- a big reason why my father and I decided, hey, you know what, we should buy this piece of land and, and I should jump into mm-hmm. actually working the land and learning about what it would take to regenerate soil and all the different things. What I didn't realize <laughs> was how difficult that was yeah. going to be. And I had no idea. Uh, I, I, honestly, um, I honestly had no idea what it would really take. And I still think that I'm, I'm learning. I still think that I'm, I'm kind of finding my footing on it all. Um, 
I think the biggest, you know, change that I'm starting to see now is that there's more and more content online and, and back to kind of the, the school that you created um, and the institute. There's more and more available content that is now teaching the techniques of farming. Yeah. I think it's like the evolution of your book yeah. to talk about, okay, what's possible on a small scale farm like Legatini Net yeah. and how big a farm needs to be to essentially be profitable um, all the way to like, okay, well, your course actually like, okay, here's how you do carrots. Yeah. Here's how you do beets. Here's how you do absolutely everything that you could possibly grow around here. That is a game changer. I don't know if you realize that. <laughs> well, actually, that's that was the purpose because my whole philosophy is that we kind of need to replace mass production, industrial agriculture with the multiplication of small ecological farms mm -hmm. everywhere. And there's a lot of people that want to do it. Totally. Um, and But it's going to take you seven years to figure that out. This because learning how to grow all these different crops at the same time, making mistakes, and then you have like, sometimes it's like you have a year to wait before you can do it another time. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, there's a big learning curve into doing that. And at one point, my book was a good introductory book because it, it showed you that you don't need to have a big farm to make it profitable. Mm -hmm. So you could be farming an acre, two acre, and you can make it a good living mm -hmm. just by farming two acres. And then that's the beauty of that model is that it's kind of capped. Mm -hmm. So like at my home farm with Moderan, you see that's my wife there. Mm -hmm. We've been farming that two acre for 20 years, 19 years. So we started in 2004. Wow. And it's been producing high quality food and it's been producing a good income and a good quality of life for almost all these years. So like the first... First few years, you know, yeah, setting, setting it up, figuring it out. It was, you know, it was, it was, a, we lived in a teepee for two years and, mm -hmm. you know, there was, there was, there was a struggle there, but once you're established and you, you, you kind of get the, the juice going and you have your system running, you know, you have a business that's kind of like on, I don't want to say repeat because every year has new challenges and yeah. you're not growing all the time. You're capped. Mm -hmm. So for me, then the, the missing link or the bottleneck becomes how about you can do this in three years instead of seven. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where I became aware that, okay, if I show you exactly everything that I do and I, I, I don't even need to explain everything. I just need to show you mm -hmm. and you start with that and you follow that. It's going to work. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be perfect. You'll have, you'll make, you know, you'll have problems. Mistakes. You're making mistakes. You know, I can't teach everything because some of the things are context related, but for the growing part, you know, you don't need to reinvent how to grow cucumbers and how to trace them. And it's just like, just follow the guide. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we do with the online course. And now there's like, you know, 4,000 plus people that have taken the class. It's in 90 countries. Amazing. And the word that I'm getting from it, and it took me five years to film it. So it was, it's a long process, but mm -hmm. the word that I'm getting is that, okay, this is, this is changing my learning curve. hundred percent. And that's, that was the goal. Well, I think that you're providing the mentorship that inherently we're lacking in our culture today because it, you know, go back a hundred years, 200 years, whatever it was, almost everyone was involved in some way, shape or form with agriculture, yep. right? They were, they, they like, you had to sustain your life in some capacity with agriculture, or maybe it wasn't you directly, but it was somebody in your family or somebody yep. right next to you. It was your neighbor. Yep. Today, nobody knows a farmer. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's the culture. And yep. we have no idea where the food comes from. Yeah. And we could talk at length. There's tons of podcasts and tons of stuff out there about that. But what I think is even more relevant is that nobody knows a farmer that's doing it the way you're doing it and the way that we're trying to do it. And I would say we're successfully starting now to do it better and better and better at Valhalla. Um, but nobody, it, it, we've kind of lost that, that, uh, that concept because like, you know, if I look at the land right next door, okay, they were, they were, it recently went for sale. So I started to look at the math of the land right next door to us. So it was 179 acre property, about a third, you know, 35, 40% of it is forested and the rest is corn and soy fields. Yeah. Okay. They're selling it for $3 million. <laughs> yeah. With non-drained land. Yeah. And the rent on that property at the moment on a year to year basis from the corn and soy farmer is 12,500 bucks a year. Yeah. 
absolutely impossible to ever pay that off in your no, lifetime. No. And it's the revenue per acre is about $600 when you grow corn or wheat or soya. Exactly. Per acre. Exactly. And on one acre at our farm, we make 150 Exactly. So. <laughs> this is a big difference. It was, there's a huge difference. Yeah. And then the other thing that people don't realize is that we're constantly pillaging that soil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? You're depleting it. You're constantly depleting it. We're, we're not in any way, shape, or form dealing with any issues around climate change or any issues around soil health, anything about that. And this is what f the small-scale agriculture and small-scale farming is going to change. Yeah. And yet, right now, in our culture, I don't know if you feel it, but there's a little bit of a war against farmers. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm hearing it from, like, you know, from the Netherlands. It's like, oh, we have to take away some of the big-scale, um, you know, fertilizers and all the different challenges. There's the war in Ukraine that is now creating a, uh, and, and kind of the, the segregation of Russia, where a lot of fertilizers come from. How are you, are you seeing any impact of that in any way, shape, or form in your world of agriculture? No. Mm -hmm. You don't, hey. because you have, you know, that's the beauty of, of farming small scale is, and, and small scale and smaller scales is because you, you're not locked in into these big supply chains. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we don't produce our seeds. We get them from seed suppliers, but they're small seed, seed you know, growers. Our compost is local. We can make it, but we buy it from a local place. It's everything's super local in, with the production, mm -hmm. and you sell directly. So you're not involved into any of the big mass production, or you're not involved with supermarkets, and you're not aiming for mar that's the, that's the game. The, 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 where the game changes is that you're not aiming for volumes, mm -hmm. where you're making a fourth of the revenue but you're making money because you're doing volumes. That's yes. what, you know, industrial large-scale farming is. Mm -hmm. We're selling directly. I, I know you know this, but... Yeah, it's no, no, say it. I mean, people. it's other people who are not, not necessarily... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like you're not selling, you know, your lettuce. You know, a lettuce now is like $3. Mm -hmm. Like, when you, when you sell it to a whole, a, a retailer or a distributor, you'll make probably 40, 50 cents per, per lettuce. If you're selling, you know, 40,000 lettuce that's going to New York, you're making money because there's sure. volume. But, you know, I make $3 on my lettuce because I'm selling directly. Mm -hmm. There's no middleman. And so I don't need to have volumes. What I need to have is capacity and an established clientele that's ready to pay a premium price because I'm growing a premium quality product. product. Mm -hmm. And I have a story behind it and I'm there to, to represent it. And so... Man, that's that's the game changer. And then if you're not doing volumes, then you just need to optimize what you're doing so that you're not making too many mistakes, that you're not overplanting. You don't have you have always what you need, but not too much. Mm -hmm. You're not you know doing crop failures. So it becomes a it becomes a, a game of just kind of improving your farming. Mm -hmm. And and again, because we're locked in the scale, we're not always scaling up. We don't need to always learn a new parameter. We're not always kind of like rediscovering how to operate at that scale. And then yes. you do that for seven years and you're like, okay, we've grown. Now I need to manage 40 people. Yes. It's a whole new playbook. We've well, kept the playbook small. And so we're, we're really refining an improvement. And you also get to learn the property properly. Yeah. You get to learn the soil specifically. Any yeah. farmer will tell you that you're farming yeah. soil more than you're sure. farming plants or anything sure. else. And the, season, and the seasons that are changing and the weather seasons are changing. Yeah, I, I actually like, watched some of the videos on your on your YouTube channel um, about, you know, there's been more drought recently. Yeah. I saw that at, at, uh, at your Grelinette farm. Yeah. I would imagine that was also happening at Femme de Quatretin and some different places. Valhalla have been lucky for the most part, but in general, you know, there's always the different drought elements that come into play. Um, and that was one reason why I got the other farm also. Mm -hmm. because you're next to the river it has a river and i can pump through it well that's see this is where so one thing i've learned about as becoming a farmer and that was my 11th season yeah and and realistically when i started it was a i mean a giant field you you saw it a few <laughs> years after we started yeah it was it was a nice design though it was it, it was, was starting to get along. there yeah. yeah it was starting to get there i'll show you but a it little still bit had of a lot of a lot of curves in it 
Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, okay. So we started with the idea of permaculture more so. Yeah. Right. I never studied anything. I never went to a permaculture. I still haven't to this day taken a permaculture course. Yeah. At this point, I've done it. So I've, I learned some of the different components to it. Um, and then we started moving towards market gardening for certain products, which yeah. now garlic is our biggest product. Cool. Um, we've yeah, actually, I think I have yeah, some pictures. So like we're starting to get to the point where we're taking over more and more and more, you know, so you've got the corn and soy field kind of next to us on the other side over there. And then like slowly but surely, we are literally getting to the point. Yeah, because when I was there, roads. there was a lot more circles and curves everywhere, correct? Well, yeah, so this is, so this here, this area over here is kind of the north field. So if you were to look at, um, if you were to look at Valhalla, actually, yep, let me. That looks, that looks good. If you were to look at Valhalla over here, so this is kind of our south field. Okay. This is where the kind of the main hub is. And this the community. is where this is where the community, the happens. community vibe. And, and, you know, what we call our, our you know, our, what we call our bistro. It's a kiosk de freeligim for the map back or whoever who's listening. Um, and then we've got like a, a real kind of outdoor kitchen vibe and a, a real hangout here. And then really a lot of this is permaculture, uh, fruit trees, berry bushes, a, yep. a bunch of different things. And then we have a lot of garlic over here. And now we're starting to do animals on the back. Cool. We have like chickens, we're getting pigs for the first time. Um, it's kind of a boise type area. And then over time, we're starting to develop the north field. So this is where I'm thinking of putting a transformation center, a watching center. And I was actually looking at um, the designs you have in the, in the master class yep. around like, and I remember our visit to, to FTQ, uh, FTQ, FTQ farm, yeah. um, where it, 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 I realized that we need infrastructure. Like this is what I'm understanding more and more and more yeah, of. You need a washing station. You need, I need, need proper washing stations. Yeah. I need proper capacity. What the beautiful thing of our farm is, we have the market. Yeah, we have so many people showing up to our farm all the That's time because they're 20 minutes away from downtown Montreal. Which which piece generates the more revenue on the farm? Right now, it's actually our south lot. Okay. Yeah, I growing actually, berries and, uh, and yeah. fruit trees. Well, and and garlic was the biggest um, the biggest contributor there. But I have here where which one. So this is actually the revenue that we were able to make on nice. on the south lot in 2022. That's nice. So in in the whole farm we did it I I brought the revenue up to about 180,000. Yeah. Which is I'm proud of. No, no, it's great. Um, it's, it, it is great. And, yeah. and and I like the way you you've set that up. That's definitely mm -hmm. When I see what you're showing here is I see that you are educating the policy makers about the potential of this. Well, that's probably for that's your, this is part of the, what I had to show the CPT. Yeah, that's great to that, talk about building a house. That's what, they that's don't what I did. Do it. That's what I did. That's what I did. I, I said, you know, a two acre farm, you can do it. I showed the numbers and I, I have a 4.5 acre farm yeah. and they're like, actually it's too small. Yeah. No, and no, it no. looks like you're, you're mainly farming on the other side. Yeah. No, so you're putting the numbers. And I'm saying, okay, well, here's the numbers. Yeah. Here's my tax, taxes and all the different things. And then I'm showing them what we're doing and how we're doing it. It's kind of hard to display. So that's the sales and that's the percentage. Of agro-tourism versus agriculture, nice. which is what I want to talk to you a little bit about too. Cool. But before we get into some of the other numbers, and this is kind of, you know, this is the, the percentage of agricultural, you know, yeah. production that we did in 2022, and this is agro-tourism of sorts, okay? Yeah. Um, but before we go into that, I want, to, I want to show you a couple numbers that I think are a little shocking. So number one, I actually took this mm -hmm. from the Market Gardener Institute. Yeah. This is what you were saying a 2.5 acre farm can make was about a hundred. Uh, you were aiming, you were saying, you know, maybe you want to make about $160,000 of revenue yep. and have a, a certain profit margin from there. Yep. Um, the profit margin is important though. Profit margin is super important. Because that's the whole concept. Yes. It's not just the sale, it's the profit margin. Well, the average farm um, in vegetables, I think is like 17% profit. Yeah. Which obviously mm -hmm. the way you're doing it, and I'll say we're doing it is yep. different, yep. particularly because we don't even we don't even go to the market. Like you're doing yeah. the market. We're starting this first year. We're going to do it at uh, Marché Ecclusé, actually. Yeah, um, they're coming to you. They're coming to me. Yeah, that's great. and that changes the entire economic system of the of the component. And we get a lot of of volunteers, mm -hmm. but I'm getting a lot of unqualified people. I need more help. I need more leaders. I need more people who've gone through your courses. That being said, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, I want to show you a couple of, of interesting things I was able to find online. Mm. This is the first thing. The yeah. average farm is now worth $3 million. Yeah, and it's double. It's, it's and this is 2019. And that we see it's uh, double what it was 10 years ago. 
100, well, I would even say now with inflation, yeah. it's probably even higher. It's more than double. Yeah. So if you're a small, young agricultural. Yeah. Yes. Okay. How do you, how do you get into this? Well, that's the thing is that you need to compare apples with apples because yes. these are big farms. Sure. So big blocks. Sure. And so what you need to, is to find two acres, three acres, four acres, which is rare because of the CPTAQ. And that's part but, of the problem. But still, that's that's how you avoid having three million down the pipeline. Yeah. Now, here's here's the thing. I got lucky when we bought the farm yeah. that we have two pieces that are across the street from one another, and then we have another piece that's kind of separated by a horse farm right behind us. Okay. That means under the law, uh, they, they use this term called consigu. So if you're one farmer and you own the farms that are next to one another, they automatically glue them together yep. and you cannot separate them and you cannot sell them separately. Yep. Although there's maybe some change in that near now with the bill 103 and a bunch of different things, which I want to go down a little bit. But the problem with that is a farmer who has 179 acres right next door cannot sell me I know. anything less than that. So to buy his farm, it would cost me $3 million, yep. but it is literally impossible to do. Except if... Let's say, for example, that your business, mm -hmm. let's say it's a business. It could be a non-for-profit. Sure. Okay, but. Well, so I focus on the business side. It's the biz, the, 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 prop, the proposal is like you're, uh, you're set up to buy is, uh, you know, 60 acres, mm -hmm. 100 acres. Uh, yeah, there's 179 okay. acres there. Yeah. You're, you're, you're set up to buy 179 acres. Yep. Because you have investors, you have a backing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you're set up with all the jury, jury, the juridique. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the word for that? The jury, like, you know, the lawyers. The yeah, the lawyer, yeah. You the, know the exactly, team. you yeah. know exactly how to separate it. Yes. And then you're selling it to different farms that will connect. Yes. And you do all of that work and you're allowing four or five farms to farm on what they need. And mm -hmm. you're allowing the older farmer to retire. That's what needs to happen here in Quebec right now. I 100,000% yeah. agree with you. Yeah. Um, given that the farmer who's currently farming the land right next door is farming 3,000 acres and yeah. they're employing three people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Unsustainable, um, undoable, unbelievable. Nobody, nobody, and then I'll show you another, another stat. Very polluting. Uh, you, we have in, in Quebec from 2016 to 2021, we saw the, the number of farmers that have a succession plan being at 8.5% over the same period. Yeah. So currently, yeah, farmers... Can't get out. Can't get out. Yeah. And the average age of farmers went from 20, 2001 to 47, you know, to 2021, 54. Yeah. And then if you look at under 35, you, saw, you see 6,500 uh, 6, farmers in 2001... You're at 36.45 now. I'm impressed how prepared you are. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, it's no, you're, but that's, that, you know, that's a, that's a trend. And not that many people are looking at that and trying to find what the solutions are. They're looking at it and saying, this is terrible. But, but how do we do anything about it? Well, actually, that you, it's like, um, you, you could, you, we don't need to check that out now. But in France, there's a group called Eloi, and that's mm. what they do. They just buy up these clubs of lands and, yes. and they're not for profit. So they're not buying it to resell it on profit. They're just, they're not trying to be developers. They're just lubrificating what needs yes. to happen, which is kind of segmenting. But I think in land. France, they have the culture that has celebrated small scale farming to some degree in a different way. I think we're, we're there now. Really? Yeah. Because when I speak to the CPTRQ and I speak to experts, uh, yeah, but, like no, but when I speak to experts who know the CPTRQ like super, super, super well, yeah. I don't know if you know, um, uh, I think it's Richard Brunet from Le, Le ter uh, Territoire, right? So he's an expert who deals with the CPTRQ. Yeah. I showed him yeah. an idea. I said, well, look, if I took this big 12-acre piece that I have <clears> over <throat> here that's corn and soya right now, and we just grew garlic, and I took 1.5 acres and I just did garlic, yeah. I easily can make over $200,000 of revenue per yeah. lot yeah. Yeah. on a 1.5-acre piece of land. Yeah. And that could sustain a family. That could put a house on that. Yeah. And that should be the direction that we're going. I speak to Desjardins Bank. Love it, willing to do it. Talk to the CPTRQ. Yeah, but that, that's, it's changing. It's, okay, so here it is. But it's kind of changing. It's changing, it's changing in the way that, like, somebody like you and then, and then the people you, you're no, associated and, and you, with. And you, well, because you're pushing it right. They're pu you're pushing Well, you're right helping now. me push it right, literally right now. Well, yeah. It's, like it's that's, an important conversation for us to I have. Know. And it's, if you're not there to push it, 
who's gonna who's gonna change? I. So you know that's but, what I did. But, like, but, but what, the likelihood that somebody can do what I've done at Valhalla, the amount of money and time and patience and burning over ten years to, yeah. to the final point where in year yeah. ten I was able to be profitable. Yeah. And I say profitable because I'm still investing. We yeah. pro- we put power and water on yeah. the north yeah. side yeah. field. Yeah. We're doing a, a bunch of different things. I'm profitable, but. It took a long time. And I'm 20 minutes away from downtown Montreal. I had years and years and years of experience and expertise still, and a lot of other work you're, that I you're, put into You're it. cracking the code. Sure. You're, you're opening, you're opening the... One of 3,600 people cracking the code here in Quebec, apparently. And, and, you know, necessity is always the mother invention. So something's going to... You know, I don't know if you, that's the stat that you have, but last year yeah. in Quebec, yeah. okay, it was the first time in 50 years that there was more new farms than farms that were stopping. Yes. So I saw certain stats around that. And yeah. I saw, I have actually, and I don't have it pulled up here, but I do have stats around, there are more small, small, tiny farms essentially starting. Exactly. That are making less than like $25,000 a year. And then, then the number of farms over 100,000 are starting to peak up. Now, how much of that is in just inflation that there were 80,000 before now, you know, yeah, a few years later. The model the also. I think the model has, is so changing. It's, it's, so it's trending, but it's not, it's, it's not trending. over. The game is not over. It's trending. We all see the big ag is still there. and Where we'll, I think it needs to get to is that we need to be able to do, you know, I started doing, this is designed off of, of, yeah. off of your this ideas. Looks, How can I build farms that are next to one another that either share different resources or different versions of farms? You know, maybe we put this farm next to the other farm and maybe we have kind of a, a look and feel that we have to educate them on what that looks like. Sure. I like it. Now, the challenging part for making something, you know, modeled again off, off of, you know, some of the farms. Hey, that's us. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, Good stuff. So I'm, I'm using <laughs> what you, the, the path that you paved. Yeah, that's, two th- that's 2004. That's a long that's, time ago. That was a very long time ago. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I'm using the path that you paved to essentially make that possible. Mm-hmm. But when I speak to the CPTRQ and I even ask for a house... They're still telling me two things. One, no. It's not big enough. No, because it's no. No, because it's just, they're just, it's, their answer is just no to everything. Yeah. And then, and then two, oh, it's, it's not small. big enough. You cannot farm. Yeah. You cannot sustain the farming. Two, you're doing things that are non-agricultural based on the farm. And that's where you're showing it's like only 10%. Well, so that I had to show yeah. those yeah. things. Yeah. But I mean, but, but in terms of like physical activity, we were doing a lot of tours. We were doing farm table dinners. Yeah. We were doing a bunch of stuff that... Until the CPTRQ came out with a new rule, literally, they sent me a letter saying, you have to stop doing all of this stuff. And then a month later, they came out with new rules saying you could do 20 events a year, you could do tours on the farm, a bunch of other stuff. And I was like, thank you very much. You just changed the law, so you, you, you validated my process. Yeah. But I don't think that a startup farm can get to where we need to get to without having some two, one of two things. A mentor like you and working mm-hmm. at an existing farm that's doing that process. Yeah. That's great when you're out in the country or your people who come from the country. Yep. If you live in downtown Montreal, your access to that farm, your yeah, ability to afford rent sure. in the city and then be a farmer is impossible. Yeah, for sure. It's a project. Okay. So online courses and all that other stuff change that and then and then doing kind of two-year residencies, working on a farm that's actually producing and actually able mm-hmm. to be profitable mm-hmm. is changing that game. Where our farm fits that is that people can come for the day. Yeah, they can get exposed to farming. I, I, yeah, I see us as a great. bridge farm. That's great. We need that. It's but like, it's like but, they're, urban, but they're attacking me for it. They're yeah, attacking but... me. They're saying, <laughs> "Oh, you have people living in tiny houses and buses yeah. that are that yeah. are that well, are you're not allowed. You're doing non-farming activities." Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll tell you something. I'm not worried about you because I see how well you're prepared to to fight <laughs> them off. Fight. Like I'm, I'm. They're in. I'm for, they're in for a loss because this is great stuff, and that's exactly it. It's it's fighting back and. You know, and when I started, and I don't want to bring this to, but it wasn't easy for us also. We we needed to convince and fight off and fight back and really show and demonstrate. And, and it was like, we took a big risk. We bought the farm without knowing if we could build a house on it. Yes. and but It would have changed my life completely. Well, it you changes know? the financials of the farm. Yeah. Because look, I'll, I'll you know, I, je, je le cacherai pas, I, won't, I won't hide it. We have buses that are converted. Sure. On the not? farm that Why are not? that are using these different spaces a few years ago now. Yeah. We built, you know, uh, we, we installed solar panels. We installed That's a big, big thing. We've got a beautiful washing station here now and a service point perspective. We're like doing more and more and more with the farm itself. And now we're building more and more infrastructure. 
Yep. Like we got power and water. Like I said, a bunch of different things that we didn't have before. We only got power like two years ago on this side of the property, but yep. we had, we always had this little solar shed that was completely off grid to do all the stuff, but you cannot, I can't do it without these people. Uh, and yet, I, I mean, I could. It's a different setup because the it's way a, it's, it's more communal, the way you're setting it up you're, you, and, and, and that's great because it's creating community. It creates a vibe and it creates all of that, which, it, which, which is what attracts a lot of customers too. Yes. So that's great. Um, but at what point am I, I'm a farmer. I'm not a farmer. By me doing a podcast, talking to you as a farmer, who is also a fellow farmer, I, I farm. Like, yeah. I, I do this every every day, every yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, at what point is somebody a farmer and somebody not a farmer? If I'm paying the bills for the farmer, today we went and picked up chickens, mm -hmm. and I had to pay the bill and pay the invoice, and I have to call the guy to bring the chicken feed, do the thing. Now, I did it from here. Mm. I wasn't out in the field. I wasn't shoveling. Yeah. I would say, okay, let's let's propose this. The farmer is the one that's kind of runs the farm because, you know, farming is not just, you know, putting your hands in the soil and planting mm -hmm. a, t a tomato plant. It's also doing accounting. It's also looking at the financials. It's about prepping for market, doing marketing. It's, it's also that. Yes. So you'd have the farmer who helps and runs the farm, mm -hmm. and then you'd have the grower mm -hmm. who's in the field, mm -hmm. you know, dedicating his time mm -hmm. to making sure that the harvests are bountiful, things are weeded, cultivated, things mm -hmm. are done. So that could be that could be the definition. Well, I think that's a brilliant way of putting it, that there's <laughs> maybe a difference between farmer and grower, or that there's maybe a balance to be played with being both. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, at me, like, if you... How about you pop up FQT farm, just so that people yeah. see the, the scale of it. So it's probably the biggest permaculture farm in Quebec, for sure. And um, And that's makes sense because it was funded and it, you know i don't know how much you talk about this but it, yeah. it, it had let's just say generous funding yeah yeah okay. if you go yeah. up we'll see the farm you see so that's that's a pretty unique farm um but that farm is not just people growing in the field there's people doing admin accounting I mean, a huge amount of work yeah there's this there's, is a million dollar production farm yearly easily Oh it's, yeah, you more, guys pump more. out more than a million dollars worth of produce every year. Yes. You have to. Yes, to, we're, to we're, guarantee we're, to make something like this work. Five five hundred chickens, five hundred pigs, uh, you know, eighty cow calves. But it's also like ideal conditions in terms of initial investment and funding. Yeah, but it's 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 never ideal because what's the what's the uh, profit margin? When you're a billionaire, you don't have to have profit margin. That, that yeah, would, somebody would argue still, that. Uh, no, when I sit with them, they're like, hey. But <laughs> Show me the worst? profit margin. Yeah, so the profit margin on a project like that is not the same as on my home farm. Yes, your profit margin actually would be bigger on your home farm. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure, like five mm -hmm. times bigger. Yeah. So that's, that's the idea of scale. It's like this is a really interesting project, but it's a teaching ground, and it's showcasing something different. But, but it's also how to scale. Yeah, so if you're setting up to do something like that, it's going to take long periods of time to recuperate. Well, so my idea is that that south lot that we were looking at, this uh, back to you know this this piece over here, this is a four and a half acre. You're not seeing the the full piece, but there's another piece over here. Um, that this is basically my quote unquote farm, mm -hmm. and I see it as a mother farm. Yep. So it's a place where we're, we're taking the butzer, we're taking the, the cuttings off the plants, we're growing, we're testing, we're doing different things, we're trying, yep. okay, what about this garlic versus that garlic? Which one grows faster? Do I like it better? Does this one have like a different marketability than the other? Yep. It requires some level of like innovation and I'm able to sustain that in part because I have an enormous amount of support that just shows up physically yeah, on the on the farm. Great. Okay. And I'm able to fund it because I had some amount of money when I started the project and I transitioned from being an entrepreneur in marketing to now being a farmer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not everyone has that opportunity. Not everyone can buy land where I, where I think, but I, when I hear you, and this is what I, where I want to get to is that I want to be able to create a way that somebody can buy their land or at least somehow have a, a real ownership of it. And where I'm, where I'm at now and where I've, kind of, I've actually tested this last year. Yeah. Um, I'm curious your thoughts about this as I started, I created what is called garlic NFTs. Okay. So I created a way that people can invest in the farm by physically owning a row of garlic. That's nice. Yeah. I've, um, and then said, okay, well, wait a second. Like rather than just investing, rather than just buying my product, yeah, what if you're a renting, restaurant? Rent, well, renting the bed space. You're renting the bed space, but I'll even potentially do the labor for you. I'll yeah, coordinate the yeah. entire thing for you. Yeah. And then you have three options. One, you do take what 
do what you want with the garlic, eat it, you sell it at your restaurant or use it at your restaurant, whatever it is, give it away. Yeah. Two, you, uh, we sell it for you. We, we bring it to market and we give you a percentage. So you helped us yeah. scale the farm. We help get more machinery and we can help get the labor in because otherwise in farming, you make money one time a year yeah. on that one, that one crop, at least like garlic. And then, um, and then, and then the third option is we replant it for you. So now we say, okay, your, your garlic can basically double. Yeah. Because if I grew one row of garlic now, well, technically that one row should at least turn into two. What if I keep it growing? And what if I do that as a service to actually set up your farm? Yeah. What, if, what if somebody who had no experience farming but would come into the process and learn today, yeah. we give them a 1.5-acre lot, and we say, okay, you're going to go through training, yeah. and we're going to slowly but surely build your farm. Yeah. And, and then we're you start on our farm. Are you sponsored by somebody that's paying for the rented land? Well, right now, the sponsorship is that my dad and I were able to buy the land cash 11 years ago. Uh, you could have a sponsor. It could be like, I don't know, McCain. It's there like, okay, we want to be regenerative. And then we're kind of, we're renting, so where I'm, we're, I'm, we're renting pieces of those beds because you're capturing carbon or you're doing whatever. Well, so that, I believe that we're going in that direction. Yeah. Where carbon taxes and carbon tax credits and all those other things are going to play a big role in two things. The, col the collapse of traditional farming. And I say traditional large-scale agricultural farming is a better way of saying it yeah that's going to collapse more and more and more because as gas prices rise and as you know we saw it go from 50 dollars a carbon ton to 65 this year um and by 2030 they're expecting 170. did, did you see that ton. quote last it was two weeks ago that one farm in quebec out of 10 is thinking about turning the key and closing i i 100 because of, because of the, yeah well there's 8.5 percent of them have a succession plan yeah. nobody knows how to farm even if they wanted to take yeah. over a farm yeah. who's going to do it yeah. And then they're also far. They're far from the city. They're yeah. far from different things for the most part. And so, yeah, I 100% believe that that's happening. I think, honestly, all these things that we're discussing, they're great. And for me, like hearing this out, I'm like, yeah, whatever floats the boat, whatever mechanism allows good food to be delivered to people in the community, just like for me, like this is a different concept than what I do or what I'm used to. 100%. But an urban farm also is different. A community garden is, is different. We all have different angles to what we're doing. But as long as we're delivering fresh, healthy food, 100%. You know, for me, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I have friends in Seattle, Equilibrium Farm. That's what they do. They rent, they mm -hmm. rent the bed space to, you know, Microsoft or whatever. It's like, okay, well, just tell us what you want. And, We'll grow it for we'll you. We'll grow it for you and then we'll deliver it and then we'll, you know, we'll come and we'll kind of make your customer, your employees aware of so that food. Changes, and, see, that changes the game. But back to if I went to say, they'd say, actually, that's not farming. Yeah. Well, you know, these guys, <laughs> so don't worry too much so, about them. Well, they're not going to shut you down. That's, I, that is 100% true. Yeah, they're not going to shut you. They're just not allowing you to do everything you want right now. But Well, they're trying to stop me, yeah. but I found ways to yeah. fight it. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, what's the definition? I said, if I, if I apply for building a house, I'm actually allowed to have three um, uh, temporary housing uh, structures or maison mobile, they call yeah. them. It's yeah. the actual definition. Maison mobile translates to mobile home in English, okay? Yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, a, t a bus is not a mobile home. Yeah. I said, well, when does a home become a home? Like, when does it be? How much more mobile can a bus that's yeah. converted into a tiny home be? Because I'm sure you know that you you're allowed to to uh, build houses for your staff. Yes, you're allowed to do that. That's not an issue. But it has to start with it be building one for me. Yeah. Well, and then they don't even want to try and let that happen. Now, <laughs> again, I do. I think I'm going to win. Yes, it's people like you yeah. who have paved the path that enabled this to happen, and also my ability to put these things together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and to show, and and what you're and doing with the slideshow, that's you know that's highly educational for all these people. They don't, they're they're not used to that. They don't they don't see things like that. They don't hear that. They don't see that. So the more they're contaminated by people like you, who are coming at them and say, "Hey, this is a real project. This is real stuff. This is not just kind of me with my friends playing bongos and smoking doobies. It's this is this is happening. Hundred percent. And we'll smoke doobies and play bongos too, but. <laughs> But it's not just it's that. Not, it's not just that. We are yeah. we are truly. I mean, look, we have eighty thousand garlic in the ground. Yeah, yeah. And we, you're, we, which you're we an planted, entrepreneur. which we planted by hand, and our strategy for doing it, you know, shit, you not is yeah. we were like, okay, we're gonna throw, we're gonna have a big Halloween party, and anybody who comes and plants for four hours with us comes to the party for free. Yeah. Period. 
So I'm not selling food. No. I'm not selling out. No. I'm not doing it. It's bring no. your own, bring yeah. your everything. Yeah. But it's a free party. Here's the DJ. I pay everyone. Yeah. It's a different strategy. It's planting it's or harvesting? We were planting. Uh, it was a Halloween party. Do you, do we do we the, did the planting. And, and the I do this. I do one the for. The harvest. I do one for garlic, har uh, garlic flower harvest. And I'm going to do one for harvest as well. Yeah. So I'm and doing three parties. No, but uh, that's what garlic, you know. Um, but they're harvest parties. Yeah. That's, that's how I do my harvest. I, I, I throw a party. But that's in my master class. That's exactly how I teach people to do. It's like do a party. Yes, but back to <laughs> I got a letter literally saying you can't do that. And then yeah. again, the laws changed in yeah. certain things. Like I think the Sepetak is realizing slowly but surely that essentially two things, two major forces are happening. One, obviously, the average age of farmers going up. More, more and more people have off farm uh, jobs. I think that was another stat that I had over here, as like the growing uh, percentage of people who have off farm work yeah that's always been like that though but it's, yes because it's, of winter yeah because they go and work somewhere during the yeah. winter they do snow removal or other things yeah or, or even people that have soya and corn they're like they do that on their weekends and after the job 100 percent coming back from it is growing to some degree uh, but it you know it's, it's an interesting trend but the the um the element of of where, where was i going with this okay yes the the capacity for people to kind of get involved and get exposed to farming yeah. through parties or through showing up at a farm for the first time in their life. Yeah. And then they're walking somewhere and they're like, uh, what's this plant? What's that plant? And they're like, oh, that's a strawberry plant. And that's an yeah. asparagus. Yeah. And that's this that's and great. that's that. They have no idea. They that's have, great. They don't know anything no. about anything. No. But they, but they need exposure to it and they need the capacity to do that. And I think the next thing that's starting to, the next trend that I think is partially going to support farming is agritourism. Yeah. We do need sure. more agritourism. Like, I think that's partially why it's it thrived in Europe more. Yeah. Is because there was a lot of people who actually go to Europe and then like literally spend time going to so farms. So do you know why they call it the Michelin... Star? Star restaurant? I don't know those. No. Okay, the, the, the story is, in France, these were restaurants in the countryside mm -hmm. that was worth driving to. Mm -hmm. Hence, you know, the tires. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Michelin. Okay, yes. It's worth, okay, Michelin star. Makes sense. So, you know, that's not new. And that that's what we're doing is like you say, you're like, okay, we want people to come out to the farm. Yes. And we're set up to host them and organize them and show them. And that's great. That's that's where we're, that's where it needs but there's to There's a giant jump between 50 cents salad, right? Yeah. That you sell in mass scale. Yeah. Three dollar salad, also more profitable. You're crushing that. Yeah, I think you you just tapped into with the with the old mill, and now what you're going oh, into, yeah, it's like it's now you're going to sell the salad for seventeen dollars because sure. you just put it on a plate and put it in front of them. For sure, that has to happen. Well, that's what I'm doing. Uh, bravo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's where I'm headed too. Yeah, and great. you know, and 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 I'm and I actually um, approached somebody who visited our farm. He came to just hang out and we did a yoga session and he came yeah. with his wife and, and um, he runs Burger Week and Putin Week and a bunch of other stuff. And I said, hey, like, that's great. I'm like, but we should do Farm Fest. Like, we yeah, should do a farm. For sure. And we should, I should help you find farmers and then host at the farm yeah. dinners. But also some, you know, if we want to sell the, farm, the produce to, you know, local restaurants in Montreal and have that same concept, that's the number one way you can support small scale farms. Is yeah. like help them sell their product, help them find a market, and also bring more people to the farm. For sure. And I think that margin gap of agrotourism and all the different things that go with that is super important. Yeah. But it's not the way. It's, it's not the one way. way. It's one way. You could do volumes. You could do micro-scale farming. Yes. Be hyper, you know, efficient. And you could do agrotourism. You could do urban farming. You know, like it's, it's an array of different things. As long as it connects to being ecological and in consciousness. Yes. And I think these are the two. And and I still believe in human scale kind of farming because I do feel there's good intention put into that. When it's machines running everything, it's like not the same. But I agree. So, you know, all of this for me is all positive. And what you're doing is really cool. And it's really positive. And, but it's new. So you're hitting the roadblocks. And remember... Farming is people that are traditionally not absolutely more they, conservative in every they, way. They don't change totally; they just die. Sure, 
that's how change happens in farming. It's like the older generation, they just, well, they just die. And that's true. They're very close to it at this point. Yeah. Average so, age 54. you know, give, give, give 10 years and you'll be talking passionately as you're doing now to somebody. They'd be like, yeah, what's the, what's, you know, this is what everyone's of course, doing. Yeah, everyone's going in that direction. Yeah. So like, you have faith, you have hope and oh, faith yeah. that it's going there. Oh yeah. And you see it around the world. Yeah. This is what's happening. Beautiful. Yeah. And you're part of it. Thank you. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Keep it well, up. I, I, Keep I, it up. I really want to give credit to where credit is due. I think I learned uh, an enormous amount from you and from even elements of your course and, and the capacity to um, even visit or have exposure to a different methodology that led me down the path of believing, you know what? I do believe that the future of not only housing, but the future of farming is going to be more small scale farms. Yeah. But there's a very difficult road to be paved to convince I, I want to say it is like four people, farmers, number one, that yeah. they should do this. And they're hard, they're and they're hard, hard to convince. Yeah. But I think the young farmers are getting it. And yeah. there's a lot of people who want to get into farming, yeah. but they just don't have access to it. And this is where small-scale farming would support that and access to smaller land. Two, investors. Yeah. Yes, we need, like you said, a company that either wants to put money into it or somebody who just sees the benefit of it and says, okay, we have to go in this direction. And I'm not talking like a Bill Gates investor, ideally. I'm no, talking like, like, <laughs> just like uh, FQT or Desjardins or whatever. Sure, it's yes. like people where have, we have so our economies. Even, exactly. Banks. I yep. would see mayors and towns yep. have yep. to start supporting this. Yep. And this is the, the actually the most shocking thing that I lived recently is when I when basically somebody called the city and called the city and said, these guys are doing illegal stuff. Yeah. And they're like, okay. So they came and sent their, their people and they're like, okay, they have people living in buses and doing different things, but they're all farming and yeah, they're hosting events, but they're still again, farming. Yeah. And then they, they kind of threw the book at me and threw a bunch of stuff. And I said, well, wait a second. These, all these people are here for a party where we're harvesting or we're planting or we're doing yeah. different things. Like, it's great. yeah, but the, the, but when I brought this to the city and I showed them this, and yeah. I started to say like, look guys, this is where this is going. This is what I'm learning. I understand that I'm an entrepreneur and I've been an entrepreneur for 17 years yeah. and a farmer for 11 and that's saying a lot, but I've truly been like full-time yeah. farming yeah. for the last couple and, of years. And I'm committed to making my farm run. I'm fully committed to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm putting every dollar and every ounce of energy I can possibly do. And I'm even changing my pot. I'm changing everything about yeah. my life to, to kind of yeah. align with this. The, the, the city was actually like re like really impressed, and they were like, "Yeah, oh, like we like we kind of yeah. like this. Like yeah. this is actually." And I was Why like, not? "Wow, yeah, interesting." Yeah, how about community housing that's developed with you know this kind of purpose in mind? Well, so actually, the first house that I'm building, which is my house, I'm designing as a B generation house, and realistically, I'm, I plan on having the people who currently are at the farm regularly or living at the farm allegedly for the city doctor who's yeah. listening. Um, to be able to live in that house so that they have a launch point to kind of get going. Sure. sure. Because I, I believe that every farmer kind of needs a little bit of that. Like, and it, it exists in the, in the map pack and the things like, okay, here's this credit and you get this other thing and, it, and you have to fill out this business plan and do this other thing. And I've kind of gone down the conversations of those routes. And honestly, it's for me, it's horrendous. I hate paperwork. I hate to deal with the government in every yeah. way, shape or form. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'd like to see the private sector do this. Like I, I truly see myself not only as a farmer, but I think the future of my farm and my personal being at the farm is to invest in farmers. Yeah, I believe And to that. run them through courses like yours, to send them to places like yours, and then to say, okay, come and experiment. Come learn here for a while. Yep. And we understand that you're not going to do it perfect, but we're going to give you the best possible conditions, and we're going to put you next to people who started two, three, four years before you. So now you're going to start to learn yeah. with them and not like, just from the Like an incubator. Source. It, exactly. Yeah. That's great too. And that, and that, that's kind of how I, 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 I have kind of a more of a, I guess I have a little bit more of an entrepreneurial approach to farming, which I think, like which I think said, is perfect. There's a difference between a farmer and a grower. And I think it requires both. And I understand both, yeah. although you're much better grower than I am. And I'm probably, learning more. Yeah. Well, you're, definitely. You're yeah. hundred percent. Probably a better, you know, entrepreneur or podcast uh, host uh, or I whatever. I think you know. do it good too. Um, but I think, it, you know, I think this is where it needs to go. This is where we get to kind of slowly but surely move that. Yeah. Um, let me ask you one last question around, um, some of the trends that you're seeing in farming and maybe bringing it, bringing your produce to the market 
And then also what you're starting to notice now and learn now, I guess, is the now the the, the restaurant side of things. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, you know, anybody who's listening to this obviously has seen the, the price of food skyrocket. Yeah. Go to a restaurant, prices are, are kind of insane. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to me, it's actually kind of scary. Yeah. Um, number one, why do you think that's happening? And is there a way that we would see a, a bit of a change of sourcing rather than from large distributors and different things and large farms? Like, how can we bring this produce to the market faster, cheaper, better, easier? And how can we create better relationships yeah. between restaurants and yeah. between yeah. essentially end users of the, of the product being consumed and the farm? Yeah, so I've heard probably 1,649 apps or software or SaaS designs <laughs> that are trying to integrate all of that mm-hmm. to disrupt the food system. And my feeling is that, yes, there's a space for that. Mm-hmm. There's a way to really better design how food, local food is moved around and, and just kind of organized. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. But there's a lot of people in, in that space trying to think to, to do that. Yes. Where I see where there's, you can be really an original is that, let's say, like, I know how to grow real good food mm-hmm. cheap. Mm-hmm. And that's how I make a, a profit. Mm-hmm. Because I can produce food cheap that I sell at good price. Yeah. Now, the prices are going high, high, high. Mm-hmm. So if I'm continuing in that trend, I'm going to just... I'm going to keep on producing cheap because I'm not connected to the fossil fuel industry. Mm-hmm. I don't grow with uh, synth- uh, fertilizers. I don't grow with pesticides and I don't have tractors. But there, why would I not, not, you know, go and just raise my price? Mm-hmm. There's no economic sense not to just not price. follow the trend. Of course. But then I'm not, I'm not really in providing a solution because mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like... Riding the wave. Riding the wave. Mm-hmm. But... What if I can grow cheap food, cheap, cheap, I don't want to say cheap, like... Uh, Not cheap quality, uh, just above them. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know how to, you know, grow food at, at low cost of, yes. of growing. Yes. Um, and then I use it to feed a restaurant, mm-hmm. which would otherwise need to buy. So then my margins are really interesting. Mm-hmm. Or a hotel, or, uh, you know, uh, a kindergarten, or... So now you're, and then the, the the profit margin is there because they'll have to follow somehow the the trend trend of, of the price of, food, of the yes. price. But then the margins are much better because you can produce at a lower cost mm-hmm. in house, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you can't scale that perhaps, but it's still. I guess we could scale the number of farms. Yeah, and and you can show the initiatives to others. Like I, I do think that the answer to the question that you're posing is that more people will start gardening. I think that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's why I started Growers. Uh, I think it was you a know? good move. Because I, uh, that's what happens when the price of food just becomes too expensive. People are like, well, I'm just going to grow it. Yeah, I think an economic crisis, ironically and sadly, will actually lead to the next wave and revolution, hopefully, in farming in our yeah, particularly younger in younger people and younger people getting involved in farming. Yeah, and then in in that I don't know if you're 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 you know people listening to the podcast are educated about this, but when you figure out when you learn how food that we eat at the grocery store is produced and mm-hmm. the poor quality makes us sick, gluten, all these things. Yep. Just like I spent two weeks in Europe, and I was <laughs> drinking wine all the time, and I was eating, and I just didn't get fat, and I didn't get sick and i was just kind of like because the quality of the food there is not genetically modified and it's just like there's real bread and there's real you know there's quality yep and you know you drink wine that's not full of preservatives preservatives or other other things and yeah so i don't know why we're saying we're talking about that but well i i i think that you're you're shining a ray of hope in my personal opinion of the trend, because if I look again back at the stats, seems like less and less people are getting into farming. It's more and more expensive to buy a farm, an yeah. average farm. Yeah. And 
and the price of food is rising. And, and I think the barrier to entry right now in gardening is that a lot of people just don't know even where to start. No, they don't. Um, and neither did I. Yep. Um, and I made every mistake possible and yep. Yep. mistakes that I even know were possible. <laughs> yep. I made those ones too. Um, but I think I've learned a thing or two about what it takes to really grow food. And I think I've learned that finding the right mentors and building the right community yeah. and building relationships between the chefs and the restaurant and the the people who go to that restaurant for a very specific reason because they understand that this is supporting local yeah. farmers and local produce and 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 is not supporting kind of the, the let's say the the industrial way of farming um is gaining popularity and that's where i agree with you that i think that i think there's a there's a there's a scary gap of I, I, like I'm, I'm actually anticipating waves of people showing up at places like your farm and and particularly uh, about farm because well, they're going to show up. They're going to show up in droves in my farm. Yeah. And and honestly, the the biggest challenge that I have right now is having enough people who know who can like help them. Yeah. Who can oh. like literally teach them. Yeah, for sure. Because there's like, a couple at our farm now, and including me. But yeah. there's literally yeah, there's well, too that, many people showing up. Well, that's why the master class as a tool is like okay, you have you have all the instruction that's on a video and then everyone listening, this is how this is being done. They see mm -hmm. it, they can apply it. And then as long as your farm manager is on board, because sometimes that happens, you have a farm manager that's like, he wants to do it that way. Yes. And you're like, Hey buddy, you know what? These people have been doing this for 20 years. Why don't you just do it that way? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a reason why it's that way and not that way and not that way. It's like, sure. Just like when you get super good results, you can change it, but until you get there, please just follow the guidelines. <laughs> and, and I actually and, very yeah, much agree. Yeah, that you probably know what I, I'm talking I, about. You know, I, I, well, I'm I'm one of those people who started. I was naive enough to think that I could change the world, and then I realized that the world changed me. And then I realized that I could change the world, but if I just started like one literal plant and one garden bed at a time, yeah. yeah. If and, I, you know, and one podcast or one graphic, or and you know, I I think that. Like I'm, I'm actually considering creating a course on like how to start not growing. How can you like become a manager of a farm? Like how can yeah, you like understand sure, sure the inputs and like the strategy around so farming? Because I'm learning a lot more, and I actually learned this from you. It's like every step matters. Yep. Like every little detail, like how how it flows in one way or out the other way. Like you changed the way I started to think about everything and then i realized oh I'm, I'm playing a giant game of Catan, where like i have to manage resources yeah. like it's a yeah. it's a but game it's, it's it a became game. a game in a very different way yeah. um and now all of a sudden that that mindset shift shifted the way i started investing in the farm and the what and what i started investing in mm -hmm. um and i think it drastically changed our results in the end yeah um well. but yeah so you you're right that we shouldn't reinvent the wheel <laughs> well it's it's you can reinvent it with in many things but in how to farm hard to yeah well it's it's a big learning curve and you can make a lot of mistakes and they're costly mm -hmm. it's just like not that many hockey players reinvent how to play the game well the a few of them happen yeah sure but you know basically just 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 there's some ways to play the game and you should learn the basics before you try and reinvent it yeah, yeah. just kind of follow the the game in the game and mm -hmm. well that being yeah. said is there any last words last piece of advice anything that you want to share that's on your heart or mind or anything that Maybe they should come check out your restaurant or yeah, like that. I think that'd be cool if they want to check that out. Espouse Old Mill. Um, yeah, I think it's really important that more and more people are into farming, mm -hmm. like even if they're not farming, like mm -hmm. they, that they care about that. And I think farmers like you and others, you know, they're change makers because they're they're on the front line of climate change. We're dealing with climate change, and I think that's going to be a big, big part of tomorrow. Agreed. Like, more than people imagine. Like when I studied, I got into farming because I studied at McGill at the uh, McGill School of Environment mm -hmm. in Montreal, and we were studying climate change mm -hmm. twenty years ago, mm -hmm. and we were studying what would happen when all of the um, the uh, what's the word the glacier yeah the the, the, the ice the ice uh, yeah, caps, the ice would, caps melt. would melt, yeah. mm -hmm. and then that would have you know, that would speed up the effect because now the light wouldn't be blocked. And mm -hmm. It would just kind of come in. And then 
And that's, you know, the, the ice caps have melt and there's like two years left and then there's no more ice caps on the planet. So it's, it's going to be scary. And, and if you're not somehow involved in growing your food or food security or, you know, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be real. It's going to be real. I'm right there with you. Well, I uh, couldn't have said it better myself. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you, what you do, and I appreciate you. One last question. Do you know where we're going for dinner? Uh, did, you, I, did, you, did you find I mean, I have an option. I have an option for us. Yeah, there's a nice, beautiful place across the street that I know the chef. Okay. Uh, so that we could go there. or um, But, I mean, it's less like a local restaurant. And I, I'm happy to go anywhere. All right. There's a, I mean, here's a beautiful thing. We live in a town. We live in a city that has, like, the most restaurants per capita on, on the planet. And we actually have phenomenal food here. Montreal has yeah. the best restaurant scene in North America, oh, by far. By landslide, I fully yeah. agree. And, and I don't care what people say. Like, I've been to so many restaurants. Like, when I travel, I'm invited to all these nice restaurants, Beautiful and I meet with the big chefs. And, and the food is always nice, but there's always a little something, something. of Europe missing. <laughs> That I we fully have agree here. With you. I fully agree with you. And uh, yeah, so. Well, it's thanks to growers like you that make that possible. Well, it's, it's you know, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that, but that's nice of you to say. I'll, say, I'll say it for you. All right. Well, thank you very much. Anybody who's listening to this, if you uh, want to support, uh, first of all, please just go check out JM and his online course, a school, a restaurant, a bunch of different components, growers, uh, actually t shirts like this and mm -hmm. sweaters and a bunch of other stuff that they do, as well as tools, which are very helpful and relevant. If you got to here, the number one thing that you could do is hit subscribe, leave a comment, like, engage. Like if you got to this point, it's because you found value in this podcast and you found value in some of the things that Jam is sharing. So please go and show support because that's at the end of the day is the number one thing that we need. So um, until then, I'll actually, I'll see you in the next episode. And I want to mention this because some of the people who helped me design the farm and some of these slides that I showed Jam today uh, are coming on. So I want to, I actually want to show the evolution and the thought process behind why we're doing what we're doing at the farm. So uh, stay tuned for the next episode and see you then. Good stuff.